even in my 20s, like early 20s, that was happening throughout my life. People like, I feel like I can talk to you. It's the empathy piece. And I just assumed I was empathetic. I didn't know an empath was a thing until much later on. I just was like, of course I have empathy. So my characteristics are, you know, on my own a little bit, but just that part of where you can relate to somebody and people feel they can tell you anything. And they just start talking and then all of a sudden they catch themselves like, I don't know why I said that to you. The Big Silence. Hello and welcome to The Big Silence Podcast. Hope you are having a beautiful day. It's your host here, Karina Dawn. I had such a great day. I just had the founders of Clear Stem Skincare in the studio, Danielle and Kayla. Wait until you hear this conversation. Of course, it's all about skin and aging and acne and all the good things. But uh, I am so excited to be a partner with ClearStem because they are also doing some give back. If you go to clearstemskincare.com and enter the big silence at checkout, you get 15% off your purchase. And there's a give back where portions go to the Big Silence Foundation. One thing I really want to share with you, are you going to be in Austin, Texas for South by Southwest? I have also partnered with Kendra Scott and Kendra Gives Back. And so mark your calendar, sign up for the Big Silence newsletter so you don't miss this. On March 10th from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m., I will be at the Kendra Scott flagship store and I'm doing a little philanthropy and fashion. Come hang out with me, sip some champagne, and I will style you, whether it's a cowboy hat, cowboy boots, some awesome jewelry, um, or just come hang with me. And we'll also have a whole bunch of giveaways that we're doing there as well. And so let's get on to today's guest is Kate Hobbs. I met her through Jewel Never Broken, Inspiring Children, Not Alone Challenge with Jewel. And she's a New Yorker, now in LA. She's an intuitive empath, certified energy healer, and a consultant. And let me tell you, when I say consultant, you got to listen to this because this, like what she does, you need her to come into your office. If you're like C-level entrepreneur, you need her. So make sure you listen to this. She's passionate about helping others release blocks and overcome obstacles. Uh, We talk about also the narcissist radar. Love that one. Need that one. And what a giver or a taker is. So enjoy this podcast and um, always share it. Leave a review on Apple. Appreciate it. And share with anyone who needs to hear this. All right. Love you. Kate Hubs, welcome to the Big Silence Podcast. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I am excited to be in Texas. Yeah, escaped the catastrophic atmospheric (laughs) storm hitting the coast. Yes. And it's actually sunny here in Texas. So, Kate, you're a New Yorker now in L.A., Um, intuitive empath, certified energy healer and consultant, and you're passionate about helping people release blocks and overcome obstacles. Now, that path came from somewhere. Can we talk about Kate growing up? Absolutely. I don't even know where to begin, but we can just say I was adopted at a, I mean, everybody's like, how old? Do you remember? I was adopted at birth. And when I traced it back, it was like, they knew I was being adopted. So I got, went home with this family, my family at six days old. And 
I always had been told growing up that I have just so much energy and different energy and you don't look like who you're, <laughs> your parents. And my parents were incredibly loving, but coming with different energy into that space, mm-hmm. for me, this is my perspective, was just constantly being told how different and how much energy I have. It was a very academic family. My sister's a big reader. And I just was like, let's go outside and very animal-friendly, loving family. But I always was picking up on other things and didn't realize that everyone else wasn't picking up as much in that capacity. It's not a, it's not a judgment. It was just like, mm-hmm. I see that over there, or, you know, just yeah. things like that. So it came from the silence of, of that a bit and not really feeling like I fit in in that capacity. And then... I was adopted because my parents had a disabled son who mm-hmm. had to be in a caring facility, and then there was me. So the your adopted family, you didn't know until what age that you were adopted? I knew my whole life. Oh, There's you did? not okay. a time I okay. could remember that I was, like, never knew. When you were able to understand that, they had that conversation. At so least you at learned... six, I knew. Yeah. yeah. So For sure, my whole It was life. never, like, a big shocker? Or... No. Yeah, I get asked this question a lot yeah. of being adopted. Like, would you tell? Would you not? I am a blanket 100%. I think you should automatically tell. And people ask me this. And I said, because as a knowing person that I am, I've always been curious. And they even tried to help me find my birth parents, which were when I was born, it was sealed in New York. Mm-hmm. But I have, I've found them. But. So what age were you when you found them? And how was that? My adopted family, which is my family, had already passed away. I found, yeah. So I had been trying for a really, really long time and court records were sealed and it was just like this exhausted process. And then welcome to the internet. Things started to change, but Mm -hmm. my parents had already passed away. And so I was dealing with that whole... So your adopted family had Mm -hmm. passed away. Who I call my parents. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. And they had already passed away. And then a friend of mine said, hey, try this woman. She's fantastic. Mm -hmm. And he had given it to me multiple times. And I was just so busy with dealing with these like state executor, just which is where I say, don't let things be distracting to you. So I was, I'm trying to think, I was probably 38 when I found my birth mother and she had just died a year and a half before. Oh, damn. I lost my shit. Uh, Like, I think I cried for 48 hours straight and I had to get on a plane and I had an appointment to check on some of this energy work with Judith Orloff in California. I will never forget it. I cried all the way from Colorado to California on the plane with sunglasses on, trying trying to resurrect myself of like, oh my gosh, I missed this by, it was like, I don't know, 13 months or something. Wow. And what about your birth father? I've met him. He is alive and he knew nothing about me that I even existed. He has no children. No, they weren't together. No. No. Oh my God. So I was a complete shocker when she she reached out to find him, which was a couple years later. Yeah. Um, And he was like, what? So I've met him. And I've met his brother and sister and his niece and his two nieces. Yeah. So do you have somewhat of a relationship with him now? Yeah. I mean, you know, we check in through text. He's actually on the East Coast near where I was born. So he's been there and his sister lives in and brother live in Lake Tahoe. So I went out and visited them 
They couldn't be friendlier. This is not your like, we don't want to hear from you. This was like, hi, I can't wait to meet you. And open arms. Like everybody will tell you as an adopted person, like what I've heard is like, are you sure you want to know? Are you sure you want to know? Well, what if this? What if that? Well, okay, thanks for your information, but I can can handle, you know, I am who I am and wherever that takes me. And I, I think it's, it's an individual choice. Yeah. I would, I would definitely, Bobby and I don't have children, but you know, and we've made that choice now, but if we were ever to adopt, I would definitely want to have that open conversation. Yeah. Nothing should be hidden. But okay. So your parents, mm-hmm. um, we talked before and you mentioned that the household growing up, there was depression, anxiety, mm-hmm. um, addiction. Yeah. Can we talk about that? Yeah, sure. Um, I when I when I look back on it, obviously you've got the big view of looking back when I could feel like the sadness. And I and if you look at the circumstances to where I was adopted into a child with a disability that can't see, can't speak, mm-hmm. should have lived only four years, who is still alive mm-hmm. today and being taken out of the home and nothing was really talked about. Like it wasn't really, like I remember seeing him a few times, but it was just, this is someone who's very disabled who, and just that kind of like swept under the rug caused, I I fully believe depression. My father was, you know, a very generous person. And I I say this to people who are very generous, just be be aware of who you're being generous with because Mm. there can always be a mini backlash in that. I, wait, can you just like tell more you about know, that? <laughs> my dad was always like he he did really well and made a lot of his own money from yeah. scratch, and I think he just wanted to share it. And when people get wind of that, it, I understand that. So you understand it. Come, yeah. It's kind of my feeling of where I can feel who's who is yeah. really there for the right reason and just being generous and believed. My parents were very giving in education scholarships, just similar to what you're saying about getting therapy and just. Mm-hmm that not everybody is created equal in that space of just who, you know, everybody deserves an education. So scholarships were put out and anyway, in that, in that space. So he worked a lot and my mom, um, you know, started drinking and it was like hidden piece of to, to cope and just the sadness and someone who's a feeler. Right. I can feel it. Like I can tell if somebody has been drinking when they pick up the phone and I'm a thousand miles away with one sip of alcohol. Like I am just, and it's not just from that as part of the intuitive empath skills. Like I can feel it. Right. So you're an empath and we'll go into exactly what an empath is for those who are listening, don't know. Um, But you had this intuition as a kid. Let's go into that. You started to touch on it earlier a little. Yeah. Um, I, I think, and I, now I'm tracing it back of like, when was like my real first hit? I call it like a psychic hit. Yeah. I remember we grew up, um, riding horses in rural Massachusetts on the weekends. And my sister was a huge horse fanatic, still is. And I saw somebody that was working at the stable and she, I just got this message in my head. I'm thinking I was about seven. Yeah. I'm like, she's pregnant. And this is someone who's 16. And I'm like, of course, I don't say anything because mm-hmm. why would Kate know that? And I kept it to myself. And then a month later, it comes out that she's pregnant and it's keeping the baby. And I thought to me, like, so this has just been this whole messaging system. And for me, 
everybody gets messages in different ways. For me, it'll drop in like an actual thought. Yeah. So it took me <laughs> took me a while to figure out. Like I just used to get mad that people weren't paying attention. Yeah. And I didn't realize that it was an added bonus of messaging because it drops in like a thought. Like all of a sudden, I'll just be like, "Oh, well, Karina, blah blah blah," and you're just like, "Wow." Why, 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 are you, why are you talking about that? Because that just happened. You know, that that's how it comes to me a lot and a physical or, and at the same time, physical feeling. So how do you then trust your intuition and trust what you're like, did you go through a phase where like, no, like that's, 100%. I don't believe myself. I was like, nope, nope, I'm going to turn it off. This isn't right. I don't want to hear that. Because there's always this misnomer of like, oh, wow, you can just, you know, go to Vegas and do this. Yeah, you can get messages (laughs) on. So, yeah, I've done. What numbers? Have you ever gone to Vegas and gambled in one? (laughs) I I, I have to a certain degree, but it's, I believe for me, it works better if I'm sitting with you and helping you than than me directly in that Mm -hmm. space. But there was parts where I wanted to turn it off because I would get messages from my own self. And I'm like, I don't want to wait a year. Like, or, you know, and I would want to speed things up. Because it it gives you a messaging of like, you need to deal with this before this. And so that was, that's something where I was like, am I just being creative? Like, I didn't really figure out the complete way it was coming in until really during acting school, like my second round of that, because it was so impactful when they were asking me, how do you come up with this? And I just thought like, what are you talking about? You walk home. And doesn't it fly at you when you walk by people? And I remember my friend looking at me and being like, I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. I put on my headphones and I walk home. And I was like, of course, in my head, I'm like, she's obviously just not paying attention. Hmm. So intuition, presence, like what is the difference of just paying attention? Can anyone have this superpower or is it? So I, I believe everybody's gut intuition a yeah. gut in like yeah. everybody talks about the gut instinct and you can train it just like any other tool of like and and the way i feel is is cool to train it is like you're like i need to call bobby right now mm-hmm. and then you're cuz you got a message like out of nowhere you're like i'm going to do that and then you can ask him was he thinking about you? you like you can do right. this back and forth kind of energetic frequency connection with people that you know but also just watching the pattern of did that come true? Did I manifest that? Did that happen that way? There's kind of a piece where it's like, did I get a psychic hit? Did I manifest that? Mm -hmm. There's that combination. But I believe everybody's got that gut instinct. I mean, it's just innately there of like, don't walk down that street. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And then I look at it like any other skill set. Maybe some people, you know, I know that people are born with a higher level of it. And then there's people that not only can get the intuition, but can feel the other person's physicality and feel what's going on in them. So that's where people can get, can get exhausted if they're not, you know, if they're not knowing that they're picking up not only on your energy, Bobby's energy, like all of it. And maybe you're just having a bad day. It's not, it's not on purpose. And that's why for me, the cutting the cords and shielding is important for people to know if they don't recognize that's what's happening. Yeah. Explain cutting cords. So I, yeah. I, I gave away six healings online for PTSD day. And I met this woman randomly, but not, who came to me and she was telling me that she was getting sick at work, getting sick where she was going. And, she, and it turns out 
She's an uber, super powerful empath and was picking up on everybody's stuff, like violently, like throwing up. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. so I talked to her. There's a lot of ways to cut cords, you know, and energetically you can just, you know, say I want to cut cords. And I imagine blades coming down. Mm -hmm. I also have done it where I pull in like myself in in a triangle and pull in a lot of like hot, hot sunlight to burn off anything that is not me. Yeah. And I believe that that is where it's, I call it energetic dust that you've picked up. And it's not nefarious always. People are always like, oh, they're attached to me. Yes. It's just like walking through a room. You're going to pick up on things, just Mm -hmm. like dust on a table. But that's how I cut cords a lot of the time. And grounding will help in that piece. Mm -hmm. And Everybody feels like, I, I thought this at one point, I didn't want to leave this relationship I was in. And I was super attached in the cord piece because we had a really deep connection. And everybody's like, well, you shouldn't be attached to somebody in that capacity, even if you're in a loving relationship. So the misnomer is, in my opinion, you can be in a fantastic relationship without them cord attached to you because let's say Bobby goes somewhere mm-hmm. and he's around this toxic person. You don't want to feel it. Right. It doesn't mean you're not connected. Like, that's just not true. Yeah. Let's talk about being an empath and what are the signs of that. Okay. Because I've been told I'm an <laughs> empath because sometimes I, people are like, like I, I'll be on a phone call with someone and then I'll call them afterwards. And I said, I felt you felt this way on that phone call because of what this person said. They're like, yes. Like, you just the energy be, reading. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's a, that's a perfect example that you can feel people's emotions that are around you, not just from, and being on the phone, not just from the physical cues, yeah, but also just like, I've been working with people and I can be like, all of a sudden I'll get like a, I got a shooting pain on a call. I was working with a man on Mm -hmm. zoom. And I said to him, I'm like, did you hurt your shoulder? And he's like, yes. Mm -hmm. He's like, I was at the gym this morning and I jacked my left shoulder and it was my left shoulder and mirror in the zoom. So that's a sign as the, you know, you're in in the embodiment of the empath. There's multiple kinds of empaths, like plant empaths, animal empaths. Obviously, I believe that would be in your category too. (laughs) You're going to meet the palms later. (laughs) I cannot wait to meet the palms and the kitty. So for me, I'm I'm in the multi-category of just because of how it's coming in. Like I can embody the energy of somebody else. Like I used to call it an acting like jumping skin. Like I can jump into the skin of that which kind of sounds really gross. And we all know about the skinwalker, skinwalker, but just like there's a negative connotation. But to me, then you can be in somebody else's shoes. And I find that really, really helpful in assisting with that. Of like, yes, I haven't walked through what you've walked through, mm-hmm. but I can feel that emotion. Just like when we were talking about the guy in the airport, like that is an overwhelming energy coming at me of just that deep, passionate love. Yeah. And I can feel the depth of that. So that's an empath category, but also just, you know, there's you know, there's different, like you can be one that can feel like some, what somebody else is tasting. You can get where that, like if somebody's moved on and you can taste things that other people are tasting, there's just different, different pieces. So categories of that, like I do this thing that I found out my other empath friends do is when there's a dead animal and it happened this morning on the side of the road, I automatically see them and I send them to the light. Like I talk to the dead animals on the side of the road 
And now that I'm older, I'm talking to sometimes tires until I get closer, and I've sent the tire to the light because it's just something we do. There's also a pattern that I've picked up on. If you take a song, and this is my own findings in my friends, and you can repeat it like 30 times and not get sick of it, that is, I believe, a sign. Because I've run it through my tiny circle of empath friends of that is like... Like you wake up and you have something in your head or you just have like a favorite song that you can always sing. It's just one that you can just find a song on the radio and you're like, ooh, this frequency feels so good. And you can hit repeat 30 times and not be bored. Yeah, I actually think it's like a, a it's whatever that energy frequency feels so good, but that that to me is one of my empath signs. The other is is just people around you feel good. Strangers walk up to you and tell you things that like most people wouldn't be telling their therapist. Yeah, yeah, that's a that's a big one. Yeah, and that's what happened to you at the airport. That's right? hap- yeah. that's another sign that yeah. for me, even in my twenties, like early twenties, that was happening throughout my life. People like, I feel like I can talk to you. It's the empathy piece. And I just assumed I was empathetic. I didn't know an empath was a thing until much later on. I just was like, of course I have empathy. Yeah. yeah. That so my characteristics are, you know, on my own a little bit, but just that part of where you can relate to somebody and people feel they can tell you anything. And they just start talking and then all of a sudden they catch themselves like, I don't know why I said that to you. But then do you take that in and then what do you have to do? To to get it out. And the clearing, I do a bunch of different things for the clearing, which is really important. It's one of the things I teach people when I work with them. Like I would talk to you about like, what are your specifics? Like, what are you feeling when you're around people? Are you feeling exhausted? Are you feeling just like this rush of overwhelm? Do you feel like something is on you that you need to get off. Each one of those is a little bit different, Mm -hmm. but I tell people to, you know, to do the cutting of the cords Mm -hmm. in however they choose. It can be pulling in light into your body, imagining the swords and grounding. Grounding is so important because here you are for like, imagine someone else's whole energy that you've picked up on if you're Mm -hmm. embodying it. Mm -hmm. And that's where it can become overwhelming because let's say you go to the grocery store and you're an super duper empath. You're like, the fruit's talking to me. You kind of sound crazy. This person's talking to me. Like there's so much going on of people's energy that's in there that you may be picking up on. That's like the airport for me. I Like once I get on a plane, I'm just like headphones. headphones. And if I want, I put, I put my little hoodie on, my eye mask. Airports are another big one. Yeah. So much energy. So then I would work with people in creating a specific, when I say shield, it could be a geometry, it could be a specific thing that you do, like a cloak, whatever your visual of what makes you feel protected and safe Mm -hmm. is what I tell people in the public spaces. And each one is an individual. That's that's the piece where I'm not just like, it has to be this, because it's kind of how I feel about meditation. You have to sit like this. No, I wasn't doing it. And I thought, well, I'm not doing it right. I'm not going to do it. And this is individualized, 100%. That's my opinion. And it's really important because what works for you may not work for somebody else. So I want to go back to your 20s. You had the wild 20s. 20s. I want to talk about it. I mean, I had a wild phase, like teens to... Yeah, I had teens to to early 20s. Let's not lie about the teens. (laughs) Like the teens were definitely rocky as well. I mean, 
Um, well, growing up in New York, you grew up pretty fast in New yeah. York City. And so just, you know, you'd get the call like so-and-so's parents are out of town. Let's oh, go to yeah. this place, the whole house party. They're like that kind of thing. And then I ended up going away. One of my good friends was going to boarding school. And I was like, I have to go to boarding school. I got to get out of here. Mm-hmm. And so I ended up going to boarding school in New Hampshire, which was absolutely one of, I would say, life-saving moments in my existence. This boarding school changed my life. I'm still friends with a lot of people from there. It was a very small, incredibly outdoorsy, open school. Yeah. Like everything was like, that's where I learned about Outward Bound and, you know, like just, it was a game changer for me. So with your family and then the wild teens and 20s, and did you ever feel like you had, like, I don't know, anything like in depression or something you had to work through? Like, what made you go wild? I think it was more of just like, can people pay attention? Like, yeah. I, I mean, I barely drink now. Like, the big joke is, oh, my God, Kate had a half a white claw. Like, yeah. ooh, she's buzzed, yeah. which is really what it would be. I mean, I could drink a lot. Like I ended up having, I lived in Aspen after college and I taught little kids skiing and like I would just be out drinking and partying and just like out of control. I mean, I could not drink that much right now by by any means. But I think it was more of like, pay attention. Are you guys seeing how out of control I am? When I look back, Mm -hmm. not Mm -hmm. then, I was like, look at what I can get away with. And, you know, Everyone needs their wild days. Yeah. I mean, I was definitely, like, I've always been a dancer. Like, I used to think I was a stripper in a past life. Like, I mean, I know that sounds like, but I just used to say it. Like, we'd be in the clubs in, you know, in Colorado. And I'm like, this was my favorite thing to do. Yeah. I mean, hey, I just picked up dancing again now recently as like movement and Bobby laughs at me because he's like, you're not a good dancer. I'm like, I don't need to be a good dancer. It just Doesn't makes matter. me feel good. Whatever you want to do to move and move it out. Like I was dancing in the hotel room this morning. Amazing. I know. I've been talking a we'll lot just, about that. Just We're going to have to do like a little shake afterwards yeah. or yeah. maybe like midway. But like, I mean, I've got some go-to songs and I think going through school, like school and then, you know, when my miniature version of my acting career was music would shift my emotion immediately. Mm -hmm. And if it was something sad, I would be playing this. And if it was something happy, I'd be this. And one of my absolute go-tos to shift, like, Kate, this is not what's happening right now. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean disassociate from that emotion. It just means, like, let's shift this. Is the BG staying alive? Like, (laughs) 1,000 I mean, you can't be sad when you're listening to that. I mean, you can just do the walk, and it is— We just may have to do that later, but it is so— It's so positive and just, it brings the energy through my whole body. And that's one of the pieces. And for me, I feel is not just cutting cords, you're pulling different energy in, Yeah, which is really important. Yeah. Music and energy is huge. Like when my mom passed, Bobby would have to listen to Dermot Kennedy on repeat. (laughs) Do you know Dermot? No, No, I don't. When you want to cry. It sounds sad. (laughs) Just for when you're saying that I got this like, uh uh-oh. Uh oh. Yeah. But I needed to cry. But that's good. And like, that's the piece. And when I say shifting the energy, doesn't mean don't feel what you're feeling because that's the part where is to me can be, I don't want to say dangerous, but it's not helpful if you're just like, no, I'm not, I'm not feeling that. That just only makes it longer. Let it come in, feel it, move it out versus like getting it caught somewhere in your physical body. And I'm, and I'm convinced that 
where we walk and what we interact with gets trapped. I'm not a scientist. I don't have the proof. I'm going off of my own Mm -hmm. personal stuff getting trapped in my body and can cause some serious. I look at it like, think of a, a clogged drain. It'll be okay for a moment and won't rust, but leaving it for a long time, that clog will wipe out the pipe. And that's how I believe it goes through your body. And to me, I know that I've had some, you know, catastrophic surgeries and I believe it's from trapped energy. And if you are a big, big energy person, mm-hmm. I think it's even more important to get this through your body. So let's talk about moving our body. So for me, coming out of my wild days <laughs> and uh, becoming healthy again, I got into triathlon and endurance. And I know you, that's huge for you. Yeah, I mean, I'm not the triathlon I, person. I'm not anymore, just, just, just so you just, know. <laughs> yeah, like, I'm not going to be the one coming to save you in the water or anyone. <laughs> I'm more like, I loved the endurance that took me completely out of my own way, which would be the backwoods stuff, obstacle courses, like the, you know, I do, I worked with um, some people and they suggested this one called the Endurance Society in Vermont. And they are fantastic. And it's like this completely off the grid event where you're through the woods and there's some kind of like scavenger hunt combination mixed in with it. And then there were some ones that I had done with some retired military, which were not for the faint of heart, but like that kind of stuff where you feel like, wow, I don't know what the hell I'm doing makes me excited. I'm not the marathon runner when we talk endurance. Like, I'm more of like the backwoods, knolls, outward bound. Yeah, I mean, I haven't done a triathlon in years. I tried to run in 2021 and train for like, um, I forget what it's called. It's like when you have six people on a team and you're in a bus or a van for, what is that called? Oh, Uh, um, yes, I know it. Relay race. Yeah, Ragnar. Ragnar. Oh, the Ragnar. Oh, wow. But then thank goodness... 2020 hit and they canceled it because I was training and I was like, ow, this hurts to like run anymore just on cement. So, you know, but okay, your hat. I was like, wait, is that that race? It's Everesting. Yes. The 29029, which is uh, Everesting where you climb the equivalent elevation of Everest in, I think it's 36. You start at 6 a.m. on a Friday and you end at 6 p.m. on a Saturday. And you just loop the mountain. Like you go up, you take the gondola down. You go up, you take the gondola down. And they do it in different mountains. And I have not completed it. Right. Because that's why you have your black hat on. That's why I have my black and not my red. But this year I'm going for my red. I'm always going for my red. Can we talk about that? Because when a lot of times there's a lot of pressure on people, if you Uh, sign up for a race and you don't finish or you don't get that time, but you're very positive about, you're like, I was asking about your hat before we started. You're like, yeah, I didn't finish it, but I'm going to do it again. But you had a smile on your face. Because to me, I'm always the person who's like, let's just try it anyway. And and to me, that's, that's, you know, this is against, this is me against myself. And I'm going to have fun, make friends, community during these events versus like, imagine if you're miserable the whole time. I'm not saying, you know, there's not moments where you're miserable because that's just part of any sort of, you know, endurance-ish. Yeah. But like, I love the people that I've met. Like, I am in touch with them frequently. And that's how much fun it is. To me, it's the journey on the way there, regardless if you get the hat. Yeah. There's people that did one lap. 
Okay, was it amazing? Did you meet people? Yeah. Okay, there you go. So that's what I think holds some people back is this like, and that, I mean, I believe is your ego. Like, mm-hmm. you know, if I'm happy doing it and I only get, you know, let's say there's 18 and I only get 10, great. So I'm going to be positive. How far did you get on your last one? So I'm trying to think. Jackson Hole, I feel like was 12 maps. 12 of 18? Maybe? No, Jackson or- Hole is less. I gosh, I really can't remember, but I know that it was like over eleven thousand feet. I got so it was like I'd have to really look, and I can so text you. What was it that you knew? Like I have to stop now and listen to yourself. So this one was definitely a straight up to me. To me, I've, I'm coming back off of like let me let me go back a minute. I came up with like Hashimoto's, Lyme's disease, thyroiditis, all like right around COVID time. And it basically felt like it wiped my system out. Like I felt like I had mono for almost a year. Wow. And I had gained weight and I was just like, this is not me. I can't, like I felt like I couldn't get off the couch. Like it was incredibly, and finally we're getting back in action in the last year of getting my energy back. But I was still pushing these things, but these these events would definitely, I'd have a much longer recovery time. So now I'm much more aware of that. Like, I think the part where for me, I'm not at war when I'm doing these events. Mm -hmm. Like, this is not where this is like, I'm going to die out here if I don't keep going. In my opinion, that's my own personal body choice in in that. So for me, if I'm like, okay, I don't want to damage something, that's where I gauge for my own self. Everybody's gauge is different. I'm not telling anybody how to do it. Mm-hmm. They can do whatever they want for their own, you know, hike, event, whatever. That's how I gauge it. If I feel like I may injure something which will take me longer to recover, that's when I I say, okay, I've, I'm done. So are you training different for the next one? So this one is in September and I'm starting to do more like the step ups, like longer, longer, you know, longer walking, running combination and doing more squats. And that's starting to happen sooner. But usually I'm just kind of like, let's just see what happens when we get get closer to it, like two months out. I want to. I want to see you send me a photo in your red hat. But if you don't, you, it's gonna, okay. <laughs> you know, I'm I'm going for the red hat. Like I always want that gold. And I yeah. and even if you get the red hat, I would still do it again. Like yeah. this community is so cool. I I mean, I don't get like it's not like I get a kickback. Like they are such positive people. And I will tell you if you don't get into that one, the running man, I don't know when they're doing it this year, mm-hmm. is phenomenal. Like I told my friends, I'm like, we're going back because I did it by myself this year. And that's where I tell people, you can go to these events by yourself and leave with like... Oh, I yeah. Like, I feel like those events are more social fitness. Like triathlons, yeah. very solo. Like, yeah, like serious. Like I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm like, I would, I probably wouldn't fit in because I'd be like, oh my God, I can't swim. I mean, I can swim. I'm not going to drown, but I'm not saving you. No, it, it's not, I mean... There was a small community back when I used to do, but not really. And then it's such a solo race. Yeah. And hours by yourself on a bike or a swim and then a run. You'll have some moments, depending on which, if you chose this event to do, depending on the mountain, you're going to be more alone or not as much. Like the Jackson Hole was a super tight mountain. So you were seeing people constantly. And so for me, I didn't want to hike at night on that one just because... It was harder to see, mm-hmm. but the other ones I've hiked at night and, 
you know. So you've also, you're just a badass. So I like talking about this. <laughs> you've also done training with Navy SEALs and weapons training. Yes. How'd you get into that? I, you know, this, this may, I've always loved guns. Like just, I think they're, I've just always loved guns. And I grew up with an uncle who was very like, every gun is always loaded, very specific and would mm-hmm. take me target shooting. And then I got into the Navy SEAL part of the shooting because I went into the endurance. I did some SEAL Fit 20X and different events with them and started doing training when they were doing a weapons event. And then I got into another group called Spartan 7 where it was all Navy SEALs training you to shoot. And I just loved it. Like, I love target shooting. I'm not a hunter, but I love to target shoot. And I love the precision of the training. And for me, if I'm going to do something that freaks me out, which is what I like to do a lot of the time, I want to do it with somebody I trust. Like, I don't want to go shooting. I don't want to go rock climbing. I don't want to jump out of a plane with people who are like, maybe I'm high. Maybe I'm like, maybe I check the ropes. I don't know. Like, that's not who I want to do it with. Have you jumped out of a plane? Yes. Of course you have. Against (laughs) against my free will. No, it it was part of, it was part of this executive training group that I was with, with the shooting and different, it was different events. And the skydiving was, I have a huge, huge, huge fear of heights. Yeah. Like, that's my number two. That and snakes are kind of even. And then there's one more. But the heights thing, I thought it was a joke when we all went to do it. And I was like, okay, don't think about it, Kate. Because, like, the more I think about it, the worse it gets. And we were all at this jump place outside of San Diego. So snakes. Snakes and heights were the key, like, the key one. And then I don't I don't want to say it. I've jumped out of a plane once. Yeah. And it was tandem. And I thought when we were getting in the plane, I was like, does anybody know that the door's open? Like, are you kidding me? And, of course, I was the last one in. So everybody's, like, butt to butt. And she's, I had a female jump person who's also named Kate, whatever you, I, she's super nice. But the door was right here. And I was like... <laughs> I was like, okay, is this a joke? Because the Navy SEAL who has now passed away was adamant that I was going to jump out of the plane. I was like, is he doing this as a joke? And I like thought- Like you take off and the door is open. Yeah, it was oh, It was like one of these, these roll doors. And I was like, does anybody know that this is open? Like, is no one- And then there was this other girl that was so excited that she had some hot guy strapped to her back that was not in our group. And I was like, she's joking around. Like, this is not cool. Like, I'm going to fall out of the plane. We're not even- Do you up. hold on or are you strapped she, in? Like, how- She's strapped. Like, I'm strapped to her and, she, and then she's strapped to the plane? Like, how do you I not- don't know if she was strapped to the plane, honestly. And you I was just like, this trust. is all going through my head. So I'm there and I'm like, the only thing I can adjust because I can't do that is my goggles. They were so tight to my face. There's like an imprint for like a day. Oh, I would have so had like, a panic attack. So, and yeah. then she's like, Kate, it's okay. And then they, they close the door and then they're like, oh, someone farted. We could open the door. They're like, we're only at 10,000 feet. I'm like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. And so we had to go out because no. we were the first ones. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I was ready to to like lose my mind with the girl facing me. She was all joking around and like trying to move. And I was like, she's going to knock me out of the plane. This is not- And you're like, I need to breathe. I and- need to breathe. I can handle anybody farting. Like, just don't open the door. Yeah. Because it happens, I guess, with the altitude change. So people kind of laugh about it and think it's funny. And I'm thinking like, I'm right next to the door. I'm not comparing this to jumping out of a plane, but <laughs> before any kind of events are going on stage, I'm like, everyone leave me in a room me. by myself. Yes. Me too. That's how I am. I need need a moment. And that just, that sent me to like another level. And when I landed, I was like, oh, thank God I'm out of the plane. Like I really thought I was dying when we first came out of the plane. Did you do it again? 
I haven't. And he was like, you're going back up. And I'm like, I'm not going back up. He's like, you're going back up because we were supposed to do two jumps. And then the best part was like, I don't know if I manifested it, but the fog came in. Yeah. So we couldn't do you that. You manifested like, it. Like, I, was like, I, think I, I was like, it sucks that the fog rolled in for the next <laughs> jump. But um, yeah, so, I, you know, I would do it again just because I feel like I should do a second time just to be like, you know, that's what I feel moves you, moves you forward. And yeah. doing it, and that's where I say doing it with people that are safe and it's, you know, pe- yeah. people that you trust. And that's how I feel about shooting and hiking and all of these things. Knowles that were bound. I just, I love those people. And I feel like every school system should have an outward bound because I think it changes the dynamic with people. Yeah. There's two things I wanted to ask you about that we talked about um, last week. And one is the giver and the taker. Oh, yeah. Yeah. My, my friends have heard heard this spiel before yeah. of... I think we all know when we feel like someone is is like always asking for something mm-hmm. or that you've got friends that are like always there for you. You're like, who's the person when somebody dies who you're going to reach out to and vice versa? That's like my giver category of, mm-hmm. and it's obviously a lot of empaths are givers mm-hmm. and just the innate ability of like, you're a giver, like you're a natural giver. And I think... Givers and takers are a really bad combination because a giver will naturally want to give and a taker will naturally want to take from the giver, which will drain the giver. And I believe the best recipe for a relationship are two givers. Are you saying a relationship and friendship or romantic? In every every piece because your innate love of giving, which Mm -hmm. is I really believe how giving is, is that I want to give you something to give you something, not to get something in return, which yeah. takes me to the second category of there's the faux giver, there's the ulterior motive giver. Ulterior motive givers are like, I'm only giving so you give me something back. Like, yeah. hey, I bought you lunch, Karina. Yeah. And you're like, okay, well, don't you remember? So you're paying for me now. Like that yeah. is an ulterior motive giver. And it's these aren't judgments. These are just like categories of just like how people can feel this and trying to find that they're their their group of friends that are really their group of friends. And the faux giver is the person who constantly talks about how they give everything. Mm-hmm. Like I'm just giving so many people, I don't understand why it's not coming back. You know, like and all of those three. If you listen to your gut, you can tell. You like can, if someone is yeah, read like feeling that, like hearing that, like wait, is that the person? And look. There are going to be times in any relationship, yeah. like when my parents passed away, like maybe I'm on my capacity for giving may only be 20% right now, mm-hmm. that that's where, you know, in a relationship, there's there's going to be times like that. That's why it's nice if you've got a giver on that side, there's going to be, oh, well, maybe they have to take a little more of the giving in this in this time frame. Yeah. And then the, the taker piece is, of course, they want to be with a giver because if they're always taking, and that's where people can get drained. And my big piece is I have a um, toxic recovery mm-hmm. um, protocol that I do with people, and it could be from a narcissist. It could just be a toxic relationship or something that's just not good for you because when you come out of that relationship, whether it's a friend or a lover or whatever category it is in, you're drained as a giver. You're going to be on this heightened, like, I've just left this and I'm not going to do it again. And you see, and I'm sure you have friends, like, I'm not going to go down that road. And they're like all poofed up mm-hmm. like this. And then they might meet a true other giver, but it's flagging them of like, they can't be real. 
I'm not saying you're going to ever miss what's meant for you, but you may make it take longer to get. Yeah. So I tell people to take a moment if you can to resettle coming out of that where you've gotten away from that toxic piece because you are heightened of like, I'm not going to do that, which is maybe not really your real true self. It's where you are now after being so like, you know, traumatized from that taker relationship. Do you, with your clients, do you deal with that a lot and helping yeah. people? Yeah. I'm like, hey, it's not even your true self of being yeah. like that abrupt with people. Like that's just your immediate reaction. And what's interesting is I love to give this example because I know we talked about it on yeah. the call about narcissists and kind of yes, I'm, I'm radar. <laughs> I'm definitely a narcissistic radar person. Yeah. And I was trying to think of an example that would be really easy for people to spot. And I'm going to use an example that happened to a friend. Um, so let's say you're at the house, your house here. And you're like, Bobby, I've hired these people to come do some work. And these men are outside painting something. And you're inside and they seem nice, these guys. And Bobby is not your Bobby. He's Bobby and we'll call him Bobby X, who is a narcissist. Okay. And Bobby comes home and you walk in and he walks inside and he's like, I fired everybody. And I'd be like, but why? And, and he's like, because I, I, I don't trust them. I don't trust them. When really, let's say you're not even married at the time. He doesn't trust you and it's a control pattern. But he tells you he's firing them because he's like, I just, I'll, I'll find somebody else. That is not a helpful, that is a red flag. That is like these guys you've judged. They were fine. Everything was fine. And it was a complete, like, you hired them. This mm -hmm. is your choice. And he just overrode the whole thing and canceled it. That is a massive red flag. Mm -hmm. Versus like, hey, Karina, I, you know, he comes over and is like, I'm not sure that guy kind of gave me a bad. Like, that's a conversation. Mm -hmm. That is someone who is caring. But it comes across for someone maybe who doesn't fully know it as, oh my gosh, they're protecting me. <gasps> oh, the Savior. Oh, look at he's looking out for me. There's a difference of like, I just showed up at work to bring you like, lunch and like was, you know, hey, do you want to come downstairs versus like randomly walking into your office and like checking on you. These are two different energies. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. It does. I feel like narcissism is having a moment. It, it, is, <laughs> it is. It's one of my words that I'm like, you know, I have a pattern recognition and I just oh, yeah. feel like it's overused. Mm -hmm. Not everyone is a narcissist. There can be women narcissists. There's men narcissists. But not everyone is a narcissist. And I think people love to use that term when they're upset in the relationship. Yeah, it kind of became a term like gaslighting. And um. <laughs> and those terms all become like fire in your like heart. Yeah. Ah! You know, like people freak out. And I'm just like, you know what? It's a reality that that's, a, that's there. But really, I go off of behavior more yeah. than terms because yeah. I am not a licensed therapist. Yeah. And to me... I do patterning of behavior and I may not know all the terms. I have, I have friends that are a therapist and we talk about stuff or we bounce stuff off of each other and they'll be like, oh, that's this. And I'm like, okay, cool. I recognize the pattern of the behavior. Yeah. And that's what's important to me because I read energy and that's, yeah. and that's where it comes into play. And so narcissists, because of my, I'm going to call it heightened amplification energy, feel like they're always trying to prove something near me, you yeah. can watch it in real time happen. Yeah. Where they're like competing with me almost. And it's a very bizarre thing. Yeah, I know. I've 
I'm sh- have you experienced? I have been a narcissist magnet. <laughs> I'm, I'm, recovering. Recovering. I'm retired from it. <laughs> but yeah, no, I totally get it. And um, I was, I'd been told that my mother was a narcissist. Not, it was the last few years of her life when we were in therapy together with a psychiatrist and we would go together and then separate. And when I was separate, um, she was like, you know, your mom is a narcissist. Like she will never be able to truly love you. She loves you, but she'll never be able to show it. And yeah. So you can see the patterning. Yeah. So then yeah. I start thinking back of like the past and this and never. Yeah. Just so many signs. That's like, trying to like find that love of someone who may not be loving you back. In yeah. That, in that because it's familiar. Yeah. And, and what's interesting about the pattern piece of like what you're describing mm-hmm is we can see why we're doing things. It doesn't mean, like when people are throwing out terminology, it doesn't mean everybody has that attachment or everybody has it, you know, it's yeah. just it's just a pattern. I recognize people I've dated that I'm like, oh gosh, I'm so glad I've moved forward. It's just, it just is a, a looking back at where you were in that time frame. Yeah, absolutely. And now my radar is much better. <laughs> Bobby's radar has always been really good. <laughs> I'm like, no. <laughs> but, uh, but do you think that they came up to you and could feel your empathy mm-hmm. oh, yeah. and your kindness mm-hmm. and you're attractive, obviously? And that's when they were like, let me tell you everything. Let me suck your energy. And, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. literally that's the cord piece. Like yeah. that's the, of course. And I and I think that's the piece. It's not, it's not to make people fearful because yeah. to me, let me just blanket statement. Walking with fear will open up the gates. Of, of that. Mm-hmm. And so when people, I just say, you know, the non-fear of, of like, oh, am I going to attract this? Am I going to attract this? Can, can have the opposite effect of calling it in saying, look, I'm protected. I'm okay. I know I can use my own judgment in that space. And yeah. it, it's a train, you know, it's a training. People will get used to being able to recognize yeah. that pattern yeah. and, and feel it. And really women, especially, and this is because we're, you know, nurturing will want to not make somebody feel bad. When you feel, I was taking a Krav Maga class in New York City from Israeli special forces guys, and they were talking about something which is really interesting. Um, it was all women's like rape, like prevention, super fun. I was already up on the awareness part because I was like, I already do this. Why are you teaching me this? I already yeah. like that's how I walk around. But the piece was interesting, the example of getting on an elevator. If you're standing on an elevator and you get this creepy feeling that this guy is standing next to you or a woman, are you going to get on the elevator just so they don't feel bad? Like if you're like, oh, I'm already on here, but you can get off. Mm-hmm. Because we're always like, are they going to, are they, am I feeling bad? Like, I don't want to upset anybody. Well, that could yeah. save your life as he mm-hmm. described it. And mm-hmm. that's true. It's like when somebody won't take no or like, let me help you with that bag. And you're like, no, I'm good. And they're like, no. And he used the example of like, if somebody tells me no, I'm always going to say, okay. Yeah. But that's the, pe- those are some more like yeah, red, judgment, yeah, red flag red yeah. pieces of like, you're an adult, you hired somebody. And if you don't, if you want them here, that's your choice. Instead of somebody coming like wiping it out. That's a major control sign. Yeah. So how do you work with your clients? Like what's that process? It, it varies depending on, since I offer different things, sometimes people want to talk to me for an entire day or they want me to come like say, hey, come with me to work or come with me on my daily activities to feel where you can feel I can make adjustments 
or like this is yeah. happening with me at the grocery store or this is what's happening at work. I'm in a toxic environment in work. Mm-hmm. Maybe they're, you know, they could bring me to work kind of like, hey, this is my friend Kate and we can assess. Mm-hmm. And then we pick up tools along the way that's like for them to use. Yeah. And then sometimes I just do an energy healing remotely. And some people, that's all they can do. Like I'm not in their area or they come, they can come to my new place in LA or I can come to them and do an energy healing. Most of that is with people that want to have a conversation and do a healing at the same time where they may not know where something is blocked in them or like, I can't figure out why I can't meet this person or I'm not moving forward in my job or we just, we work out pieces of that. We can also go on walks since I'm such a movement loving person. Mm -hmm. I have a three hour one where we can just go for a walk. We can go for a hike. Whatever you want to do, we can pretty much do as long as I'm not swimming. Um, (laughs) Well, you can't talk when you're swimming. I can't talk when I'm swimming, but like we could sit in a hot tub. No, but I mean, it's more of, that I believe should be part of the, you know, people's therapy. Is it just yeah. it, it let talk, walking? It's just like a flow. Yeah. And so for me, that's kind of how it's been working. And I'm open to if somebody like wants to do multi day or like, hey, I don't have time, but I want you to come see me for one day, you know, every two months or yeah, because they can fit it in that way. And then we go over so much, and we can also do an energy clearing. Like I can do a healing. And just being with them to feel what's happening to them at the time that it's occurring. Yeah. I like the take Kate to work day. <laughs> I know. Isn't it fun? I mean, it's actually really fun because one of yeah. my one of my pieces is, is that even just in the groups or corporate stuff, you know, I used to joke that I could walk into a high school and tell you who's a bully, who's not. Like I can feel, mm-hmm. I was like, what's wrong with these te- How come people aren't, you know? helping this situation. And I know that people need to figure out some things on their own, obviously, but like in a workplace, one of the pieces of this, yes, like, you know, when you're a high level, high net worth person, there's a lot of people around you that are like, oh yeah, Karina, yes, 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 yes. Mm -hmm. But not every, I personally like people who tell me like, Kate, that doesn't make any sense. Like, I want you to say that. Yeah, I chose people that have helped me along the way that are like, full on like no or this is bullshit because that's how you, you know, I think moves you forward. It doesn't always mean I want to hear it. Yeah. But so I'm I'm the person who can tell you who's really got no people working for them in their oh. yes category. Like that's my that's my that's my tagline is like if you're surrounded by yes people, I can tell you who's really a no. Because you know, I mean, you know the Hollywood world, you know like the mm-hmm. big corporate world. And there's people, you know, I used to say to my dad, I'm like, no one's gonna say no to you. Like yeah. no one's gonna say no to you as a CEO in your position. Like I just don't see that happening. And so for me, it doesn't mean that this person's bad. Let me clarify. It just means maybe they're not swimming in the same direction and maybe their direction's somewhere else where that's gonna make them reach their peak. It's the same how I talk about when you and I chatted about relationships. People love to be like, this person is the, was the worst. And maybe they were, and maybe it's two amazing people that don't work out. Yeah. Like, that's an option too. And I'm not saying that there aren't people that are darker mm-hmm. in the category of darkness of like, you know, dark versus light, not good, bad necessarily. Like they've picked up some dark energy, but you know, 
you can have two amazing people that just are not amazing together. Right. Same in a company. Same in a company. Like, hey, there's six people in here. Kate, I need you to come assess this. Like something is not working. The communication is off. And then we can either do like a group assessment. I can also work specifically with that department. It doesn't need to be the whole company. Mm -hmm. It can be a very specific, like this department, something's going on in here. Yeah. And it's just an energy read. Like, is somebody just having a bad personal thing at home happening? Or is this person the cog in the wheel? Yeah. It's just an energy, it's a frequency piece to pick up on. Yeah, I think that's a really important thing, especially in corporate or if a a founder of a company or CEO, you're run, you know, the yes, the yes people. (laughs) The yes. The yes people. And and to me, when you go past that, it's just all energy and frequency. And to me, my passion is, is making things go more like flow better. And so if you're a big corporation and you're spewing out, let's just say you're making something and it's all going out and there's all this negative energy, it's still negative energy going out, whether you're super successful, but you could even be more successful or there could just be, everybody wants to work for you. How about that? Like everybody wants to come show up at work. Yeah. You're getting great reviews. Like everything's amazing. Or how can we take it to the next level instead of like, oh gosh, these people hate us on, you know, or whatever. Yeah. Like you're always going to have, I'm sure you're going to always have that. I mean, I definitely know I ruffle feathers and yay. Um, <laughs> well, that's okay. You know, you know, I'm not going to be the person who's not going to, I don't offer it unless somebody's asking. That's yeah. the key piece. And when that's another like call red flag of like somebody's walking up to you being like, oh, Karina, you, you can't do this. Yeah. Without, uh, you know, asking. Yeah. You know, unsolicited um, advice. Yes. I love that. I'm sure, you, I'm sure you've I, had <laughs> your fair share of unsolicited advice. I've had plenty. But Bobby and I joke about it because I've had a lot of that. And so sometimes I will both say that was unsolicited advice to each other. <laughs> and I, I look at it as more of like a universal yeah. rule of, yeah, I may be able to feel things. But unless you're asking me, I don't, it, it's not my time. and to share that. If you hire me, sure, I'll yeah. say, hey, I'm getting this message coming in and I feel like, you know, what do you think of this? It's not like you have to. I'll never say you have to do this. Like yeah. that's that's your own, everybody's own choice. And my job is to empower people in that space of like trusting their gut. And yes, people will ask me to meet somebody they're interested in or okay. take a look at a photo or, hey, can you tell me, is this you feeling off with this person, like something's off. Like one of the friends who I won't name, but you, who I mentioned to you has left a blanket statement. If I'm ever near him or see something, tell him that he doesn't catch. And he's a highly decorated military friend. And he's just like, you just, it's not an arrogance, Kate. It's like, there's something that goes on in your energy that allows you to see something that I may not see. It's just a frequency. And I think it's that vibration that like causes people to act slightly differently. I joke that I could be like a, a bomb detector <laughs> in the <laughs> airport. For the FBI. Like, yeah. And, you know, <laughs> so. and I mean, my friend who is an agent joked that I could stick you in the glass room and you would know. Yeah. Like I probably, it's, it's a frequency. Like something happens where I've noticed it's the same way we can talk about the guy in the airport who will make me cry. Um, they want to talk to you or share something or mm-hmm. they say something that because it, it maybe it feels safe to them. It's like a safety frequency. Like with some of the military guys will just be like, I have no idea why I just told you that. Like, I have no idea. I've never said that. Like, I don't know why. And once I've had to take ownership of that because 
it's a disservice if I don't use that in a way to help people because it's been said to me multiple times. Well, and we've talked about how the military is one of the most isolating places to be. And, yeah. you know, one of the, you know, a lot Top. of suicide. Yeah. And so if someone is coming to you because they need to say something and feel comfortable, you're there to listen. Yeah. And and that's the piece where it's like, I'm not... And, I, and this isn't to scare people, but not every healer or not every person is 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 there for your best interest. And I think that's really important. And this is where your gut instinct comes in. Of that's where people don't trust people. It's like, are they gonna are they gonna take this and use it against me? Because yeah. I mean, I just have to say, there's you know, that's that's not my intention because karmically that is so gross. Yeah, and. It's not to make people afraid. It's just to say, hey, you know, sometimes people come to me and say, can you help me find a healer? And it's uh, absolutely. Or yes. can you help me find a massage therapist? Can you help me find an acupuncturist? Because just like matching people is something too. Like I always say, if we're not a good fit, I know so many people yeah. in that capacity that I would trust. And when it comes to life or death, it's not, a, it's very serious. And that's the part where I take it very seriously. And, you know, Unless you, unless you say you're going to self-harm or harm somebody else, that's where, that's where my line is drawn as far as like not saying something. Yeah. So, Kate, uh, where can everyone find you? And we will put it in the show notes oh, as okay. well. Um, my website is insightwithkate.com. And I'm also insightwithkate on Instagram. And K-H-H... KH Hobbs 13 is my personal one on Instagram. And the w- one other thing I want to mention is um, just like the funny stuff that comes up. Just yeah. so I don't want to end on so like, such <laughs> so a serious <laughs> note is, is like my, my, uh, my neighbors in San Diego were always like, weird stuff happens when we're with you. Like, what is going yeah. on? And I was telling them about this, this dog that they hadn't met. Like, we're all dog people. And I'm like, you have to see the neighbor's dog. It's like yeah. this humongous dog. And they're like, okay, kid, okay, kid. And I'm like, we're standing out on the lawn and I'm like, you've got to meet Buddy. He's like the best dog ever. He's this massive 150 pound puppy, like Great Pyrenees. And so I, my phone rang and I was like, let me just take my call. And I was standing on my lawn. And I come back over and I'm like, hey, let's go. We're going to go to the farmer's market. And all of a sudden this car pulls up. I can see it out of my peripheral. And he's like, is this your dog? And all of a sudden Buddy comes up by himself, escaped his house. And Callie, the neighbor, is like, what is happening, Kate? I'm like, that's who I was just... She goes, I can't talk about this right now. You just brought the dog over to meet me, like, magically. (laughs) (laughs) So she's like, just like, when you say things, like, things are, like, popping up. And then then as we go to the farmer's market, I'm like, oh, you know, gosh, I didn't bring my bag. And she's like, there's this store right here selling bags. Like, you can buy a bag. And I was like, okay, what else do I want? And I'm like let's have Jason Momoa fall out of the sky. Like, and Jason Momoa showed up. And I was like, <laughs> no, so, because so, I was like, okay, it's Christmas. Like, Jason, let's have Jason Momoa fall out of the sky. And so we're walking around, we're getting food and I get a text and I look at my phone and it's Instagram and it says, Jason Momoa wants to connect you with you on Instagram. And I'm like, Callie, look. And she's like, is this a joke? <laughs> and so I put it on my Instagram feed. I mean, obviously it's not Jason Momoa, Momoa. But I was like, this is what she was just like, I can't with you. Like, where are you? And it's just like the funny stuff. Like, there's the yeah. fun, that's the funny stuff that we like to talk about. And, yeah. you know, the magic of 
Yeah. Funny things coming in. Well, speaking of dogs, we've got five waiting for you and the kitty. (laughs) I cannot wait to meet them. And thank you so much for having me on. And yeah, it was great. It was so fun. Thank you for joining us today and every Wednesday. If you loved this episode or think a loved one could benefit from listening, please share. And follow us on Facebook and Instagram at the.big.silence. Head over to thebigsilence.com to sign up for our newsletter to stay in the loop for live events coming up and details on the release of my memoir, The Big Silence. And as always, we'd love a like, subscribe, and leave a review on anywhere the podcast can be found. I love you, and I will see you next Wednesday. The Big Silence. The Big Silence. The Big Silence. The Big Silence. The Big Silence.